It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. My name is Cade Courtley, and this is Can You Survive This Podcast. The show is designed to teach you techniques that will increase your chances of survival in any life-threatening disaster scenario imaginable. Join me each week as I challenge my guests to see if they have what it takes to get out alive. Knowledge is power, people. Can you survive this podcast? Hello, my fellow survivors. If you can hear my voice, then it means you are still alive, and it remains my mission to keep it that way. I'm Kate Courtley, and welcome to another episode of Can You Survive This Podcast? All right, folks, amazing guest today. This guy has basically been in over 30 feature films and some of the biggest TV shows out there that include CSI New York, You Were in Narcos, Netflix, I believe, and Justified, and currently are playing in CBS's SEAL teams. I want everybody to welcome AJ Buckley. Welcome to the show. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm so happy to be here. This is, I love these type of podcasts. I love this shit. This is so rad. It's like naked and afraid, but better. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it just, it's like, I realize, especially with this pandemic when it started, how incapable you are in certain situations. You just, you forget, like, it reminds you of like what a pussy you are. I'm like, oh fuck. Like, Jesus, I can't, how the fuck do you, how do you survive certain things? How do you survive? How do you get out? So, but I love these type of things, man. I'm so, I'm so fucking happy to be here. Well, I really appreciate time. I know you got a full plate, but thank you so much for taking some time with us. Well, let's get right into that then. What would you have done different to prepare for the pandemic that we are in right now? If you could have done something different. Stop drinking way earlier. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what they say about the pandemic, right? You're, uh, you're either going to be a chunk a drunk yeah. or a monk. So uh, I hear you. A lot of people yeah. that have been keeping the liquor stores in business. Yeah. I mean, no, honestly, you know, it really is like, I feel like I can handle myself and you always feel like you've got it under control until something like this happens. And, and then it's like, then take things out of your control. Like for us, we moved the day we moved on March 15th because our plan was we were downsizing from where we lived and moving to Redondo. And then we were going to go to Nashville. And stay in Nashville nice. for a bit and find out where we want to live and, and buy property in Nashville and be based out of there. And then I would come back here and shoot the show here. So on March 15th, pandemic happens. The show shuts down. The kids are all sent home from school. I have twin boys who are two and they're fucking maniacs, <laughs> like absolute maniacs. They wake up and it's like fucking Tasmanian devils. It's like grab, throw, shit. And they're laughing. They're great. It's a great time. But everything in their path is just destructive. And then I have my six-year-old daughter who 
I never experienced this. Like my daughter would go to bed. She would just like let the Barbie. She was a calm voice. So I was just like, I mean, I understand what I now, I have actually apologized to my mom so many times. I'm like, was I like this? And she was like, <laughs> yep, you were. And now you have twins and she's like, it's yeah. There you so, go. so you're but getting now, some, you're getting a little payback right now. Huh? Yeah. But we literally showed up and like the day that we got here, you couldn't get cable, couldn't get internet. No one was coming to the houses. Everything we had kind of set up, even like delivery of like furniture and all these stuff. So we were kind of like, Fucked. And, and I, God bless my wife, because I will say that one of the best things of this pandemic is how close my wife and I got. Because I say this gratefully, I'm working all the time. So with the show, it's a 10 month shoot, and I'm gone Monday to Friday. I'm, I'm not there. And she holds down the fort, and I don't know how the fuck she does it. And I got a real smash in your face. This is how hard it is. It's no joke for my wife and what she does. And so I had a new appreciation of that. And we had to basically be like, Okay, we're not going anywhere. We're going to get through this. But in order to get through this, we need to really communicate with each other and understand where we're coming from. Otherwise, this is going to crumble. I mean, I, I know a bunch of friends of mine. They're like, the divorce papers have been filed. Like they're, Oh, yeah. They're, my, my buddy's a divorce lawyer. He's got work for the next decade. I mean, he's just like, yeah. wow. So we got here and also it was like, no cable, no nothing. And then boxes. And we're like, okay, well, we just got to get through it. And we figured it out. But I will say this, I definitely overreacted a little bit. I was like, okay, I'm, you know, I was very proud of myself in this because everyone's talking about toilet paper, toilet paper. So I pulled an Audible and I went to Amazon. I bought like two bidets. And <laughs> I was like, who needs fucking toilet paper when you can fucking Hell yeah. have a fucking bidet? And I got one that was like the cheap one that fucking poor guests that have to sit on that is, it's horrible. It just felt like an enema, huh? <laughs> no, dude. Literally, there's a video on my Instagram that when you hit the button, it's a fucking like it explodes and it like shot across the fucking room and like hit the thing. I was like, oh my god! I was like, if anybody does that, your ass is for sure going to be clean. But uh, it just it's uh, so real intestines apparently. There's going to be some bleeding. But then the other the other one's great. I was like, and I actually heard on Joe Rogan. It was Joe Rogan's podcast. He was like, someone told me like if a dog like shit on your leg, would you just use toilet paper or would you like use a hose? Good point. That's what he said. He, Joe Rogan was like, good point. So he's like, got this thing and I just Googled the one he had. And it's like, it's a warm thing. And it's like, a little beep, 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 beep. And I'm like a little fan on there. And I'm like, this is great, man. So the only thing it doesn't do is give me a beer or something like that. But it's pretty I cool. I think that's an option actually. Yeah. Is there, can you get ones that just like, you hit a button yeah. and you're like. Yeah. Well, yeah. basically they've got one where you can go in and it gives you a cup of coffee. So then you can take a shit. And then when yeah. you're done, the beer just pops in your hand. Yeah. I've, yeah. Have you heard about this? <laughs> I've heard about it. It just, man, like, on, it just like, sticking stuff on, up your ass is kind like, of it's, it's just not. bizarre like, to begin like, with. But. I had a cup in him. I'm like, yeah, that's good for you, bud. <laughs> okay, I'll take your word. <laughs> man, <laughs> I AJ, you're from Ireland originally, right? Yeah. Because I'm, I'm not hearing yeah. any of it. That means I'm sober. No, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, I was born in Dublin, Ireland, and I left Ireland when I was six. Moved to Vancouver, Canada. And if I have a few pints on me, then my accent will come up. I've talked to like my mom. I'm like, "How are you, mom?" Like, it just yeah. it goes in. Where are you from? Grew up in Colorado. So I'm sure if you get around, I don't need to call out. We don't really have an accent, but I have relatives down in Texas. I'm down there for an hour or two and I'm writing, you know, I just pick it up like a magnet. Yeah. It's the cadence of how it is. So, so where I'm from is Donnybrook and it's it's like a, it's a real street Dublin. So it's very like, it's got a very fast pace to it. But yeah. So the true story, when the first date I had with, the first time I met my wife was in Vegas and I was pretty drunk and she was super hot 
and I got in a hot tub. You in mean my she suit. is super hot. She is fucking trying to keep you out of trouble. Yes, yeah, thank you. There you go. I was in a, a suit. And I don't think I'd slept. And my buddy, who we had a mutual friend, Ike, and I literally had like come from our hotel to his birthday party, and I saw this hot girl in like a yellow bikini. And I like in my suit, just walked over, shoes, everything, grabbed a beer, and got into the hot tub. And so I've been there, and she's like, "Uh, why are you wearing a suit in the hot tub?" I'm like, "Why are you wearing a bikini?" And that was it. And then we're, we're at, and then so our second date, I know what bullshit I told her. I lied my ass off because I for sure not, thought I'd never see her again. Then I, on the second date, we polished off like two or three bottles of wine. We didn't eat our food. And my tell usually if I start getting a little, little drunk is that my Irish accent starts to come through. And she's like, is this some sort of like weird actor thing that you're doing? Because she's a nurse. And she's like totally turned off. And the more that she said, was talking about it, the more my brogue was coming through. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. And she was like, oh, God, this is, she's like, you have to stop. And I'm like, no, I couldn't. Because I was like, the more she talked about it, I was like, oh, listen, though. And she was like, oh, God. She's, she's like, I, I, this is why I don't want to date actors. Like, you guys do accents and do this weird shit all the time. And I'm like, no. And then it was just so. And then she realized that I am actually a fucking leprechaun. And <laughs> time to time, after a few pints, I, I have an accent. So, anyway, <laughs> that was a long-winded story to get back to you. <laughs> I love it, man. <laughs> so let me ask a question. Before you started – the TV show Seal Teams. Mm-hmm. Had you had any experience with Seals before? Had you ever met any or hung out with them or any of that? Well, I was really fortunate on CSI New York to work alongside Gary Sinise. Sure. And he's probably one of the greatest human beings on the planet. And I didn't realize at the time because I wasn't approaching it from where I am now of what he was doing for men and women coming home mm-hmm. and what the Gary Sinise Foundation meant and the homes that he was building and you know, I'd go to fundraise and stuff. And I went, he actually sent me over to Iraq. I went up to Iraq in 2008. It was right when you guys were doing the push into Afghanistan. Yeah. So I flew into like Kuwait. And when I got to Kuwait, I was partnered up with a SEAL that was like my buddy. And you know, when you come from Kuwait and that fucking, this is like season three and that dive fucking thing that they do. Well, you got to do a very high spiraling approach because you're still worried about anti-aircraft and stuff like that. You got to turn all the lights off. So these guys literally start high and then just toilet bowl straight down to the airfield. Yeah. This fucking guy did not, he's like, Oh, you like when the plane do tricks and like stuff. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, of course, man. Yeah. And also I'm like this. I'm like, Oh my God. Dude, I fucking I thought we were like, and then like they drop flares and do the thing as we're coming in. I'm like, land. They're laughing their balls off, but he was with me the entire time, and so I got to chat with him a bunch. But I'll never forget we were staying at Camp Liberty. Mm-hmm. I think the general at the time was like Jacoby. He was like the three star general there. It was a Camp Liberty. It was Sam's house, and it like you go in the back. There was like a band playing, and people hitting golf balls into the fucking into the lake or whatever the fuck that yeah. thing was. And then there was like those weird. Dude, it was, the, it was the most eerie. Yeah, that's some gaudy ass choices oh. he made on his interior, huh? Yeah, yeah. I would definitely <laughs> ask for my money back from that guy. Terrible, terrible. Yeah. He was ripped off for sure. But yeah, and then we stayed there and what was I saying? I just lost. I was just kind of curious about any pre-television series SEAL exposure or SEAL contact you had. What so was that, that like? That was the one guy and I, I chatted with him and that was pretty much but I, it's, I didn't register at what SEAL was or... I didn't understand it. My no means of being an Irish Canadian. I, I, I didn't really shot guns before. Mm-hmm. You know, I shot a handgun, but my character on the show is the knuck, consider the knuckle dragger. And, this, and there's a guy that is on set with me every day that my character is based on. And he's six foot five and from Texas and a huge black beard and a madman who, who Sonny Quinn is based off of. 
But I remember my very first day shooting the 249 and we shot a live round. We're out in the water on the boat, but we're shooting live rounds into the water. And it was so intense. Like I was just, that first sound of like, bah, 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 bah. I was like, and my glove got fucking stuck. And the, they were too big and I got stuck. So I, I couldn't get the fucking, it to stop shooting. It was like, I'm like, oh my God. And I was like, and they're like, okay, relax. So like you do again. I'm like, I'm like, my glove, my glove. And they were like, they're like, no, you're fine. Like, so they switch out the gloves. Like, I just, it was, I actually have it on tape, but it's when I look at that now to where I feel like I am now, it just, and then I shot the Mach 48 for the first time. Oh, yeah. Well, dude, that thing is fucking, that's as a bitch as that is to carry it. Cause all, all the guns that we carry, they're all the, yeah. the same weight and all that stuff. And even when we were doing the pilot, they like taken out our plates and put fake plates in our body armor. But then, our guys like Mark Owen and the rest of them were like, they're moving too easy. Like they're not moving with labor. You know, so it's like it looks fake. So we need to put the real stuff back on them. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, I can act like I'm like, like no, it's not how. Too late. So, <laughs> I think the hardest thing too was the, in the pilot too, I had the night vision I had was that, you know, the moose ones, the three, sure. three, dude, we're trying to figure out the counterweight and just like trying to, that whole, it was awesome looking through it. But Jesus, man, that was a whole like, I'm sure you've got like crazy neck muscles where you're little, little tiny little muscles that you didn't know existed in your body. Well, it's kind of crazy how your body and your mind or like with night vision, your eyes and your brain just adapt yeah. to it to where you yeah. put it on and it's awkward. And then before you know it, you understand, oh, that's how far that is. And you start getting depth perception and, and then carrying all that weight. It just, you kind of just, well, you switch or yeah. you don't and yeah. you're worthless. So yeah. And then add about 120 degrees of temperature. Yeah. Do you know in like five Scott, days? <laughs> do you know like Scotty Fox and Marximos and yeah? Were you in with those guys or no? No, I was a little bit before those guys. Yeah, okay. you look very young. Oh, uh, I appreciate it. I'm I turned fifty this year. I'm I'm doing my best. You, really? Yeah. Holy fuck! We got a filter on your face right now, buddy. You got oh, no come on, man. This is all live <laughs> stuff here. Did you no, put makeup? I'm, no, you know, I'm, I, I'm trying. You know what I like? <laughs> you get powdered before we did the podcast. <laughs> no, you know what it is. I don't have kids, brother. Oh, that's what it is, bro. That's what, <laughs> there you go. And only one ex-wife, so yeah, I, I think that's helped. I've really met so many fucking great dudes. Well, like, let me ask really, you this then: without having military experience or really spending much time you probably came into it with a certain impression and then you start meeting and working with these guys. What surprised you the most about some of these special operators? Some of these guys, once you got to know them, was there something like, wow, I kind of thought you guys were going to be pricks or I don't know. What misconception did you have until you got to know and work with these guys? There was a stillness that I'd never seen before in a man. It was so calm and precise and just in, in the movement. And we did this one thing where we, again, we were during the pilot and they were drilling things and, we're going through this like a safe house type thing and mm -hmm. we'd go through it and then basically be like, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. And they, they'd do it and they'd fucking clear, 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 clear. And they're like, you guys go, you step in, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. But they were just like, so how they approached everything, it was like almost like, I literally felt like I was around like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like it was like these guys were just so still and so direct with what they were telling you. There was no bullshit in like, this is what you need to do. And fucking do this and you'll complete it you fucking like just do this right. as long as you do this you will complete it and i remember mark owen saying to us going your three foot rule like what you can control in your three feet mm -hmm. all you have is here everything outside that is if you can just control this you're fine don't worry about anything else just and for me that was a switch i was like okay because i'm anticipating this and then i'm like 
all these other things. And, and it just honestly, and there's so many things with these guys that just metaphors in life that I'm like, just control what you can control. If you just handle your shit within what's, what you can do, the world's going to be a better place. If everybody just did their part of their three foot rule, we're golden. Yeah. You know, as opposed to worrying about this and that things that are completely out of your control. And he told me a story of like where he was doing, it was like a climax exercise and he froze on this rock and the guy, this French guy, I don't know if he was French, let's call him French. I'm pretty sure he was, but he came out there and he was like, what are you panicking about? He's like, all you can do right now is focus right here. Don't worry about up, don't worry about down. And I was like, and I, I literally, I've taken so many lessons from these guys of emotionally, I want to fucking freak out and do that. But I just, I'm like, okay, look, take a deep breath. Yeah. Stay calm. And how do I adapt and overcome? Like what happened and not lose my shit. And I'm Irish, so I, I can fly off the handle sometimes. Like, all right, but it doesn't do anything. It's a waste of fucking energy. Well, you, look, you solve the problem and you don't quit. Yeah, exactly. And then repeat, yeah. solve the yeah. problem, don't quit. Don't quit. And to me, that's, it's like, I've never been a quitter in my life, but I've never had it laid out so simply. You know what I mean? Like it was very, it's very fucking simple how these guys talk to it. It's not fucking, they're like, just do this, solve the problem, don't quit. Like you said, you know, like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then move on. It's no Tony <laughs> Robbins fucking like fucking long-winded fucking thing. It's just like self and fucking don't quit. Well, move because on. we're not that bright. So that's, we kind of yeah. got to break it down to something oh, like that. You guys, you guys are some of the brightest <laughs> motherfuckers I've ever met. I'm like, do you know Goldie? I might, is that is that his call sign? Garrett Golden. I got I call him Goldie because Garrett Golden. He's the big Texas. Yeah, it, he, it rings bell. Is he your boy yeah, on the show? Yeah, him. And, but the one thing that's actually really cool about the show that I'm truly incredibly proud of is that this is the very first show in television history that over seventy percent of our crew are veterans. Good, good to hear. Mark Owen and Chris Chulak mm-hmm. and our showrunner Spencer. They said, Mark, he said, look, there's no stunt guy in Hollywood, they can't do what my guys have already done. So every one of our stunt doubles are former special operations. And we've had guys, this, we've had some crazy, like emotional, like we all get tears in our eyes on set. Like there'll be a guy who's this really crazy moment in season one where this one guy, is it JSOC? Mm-hmm. So they were talking and he was like, some of the tech advisors that were there, they started having conversations like, hold on a second. And they're going through their call signs. She goes, were you, you're in Fallujah? And they go through this thing and they had this conversation and they realized that they were in a, in a fight together and that these seals saved him and his unit, but he never met him in person. He's like, and they met him on our set. They like broke down. Yeah. It was like the most unbelievable. They'd never met in person. It's crazy. It ends up being such a small world. That's happened to me on a, on a number of times. You know, on yeah. of the fucking yep. show, and we're like fucking, uh, dude, it was the most beautiful thing. Yeah. I, I was like, this is so crazy. And the thing that I, I really take pride in is that and Chris Chulak, honestly, he was the one that really gave Margon his word and said, look, yes, it's network, but I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that the authenticity, it's a mm-hmm. television show, but we're going to mm-hmm. try and keep it as authentic as possible. And we're going to tell your stories through your lens as authentic as possible. And not cheapen that as much as you can. At the end of the day, it's a CBS show. Yeah. I promise you that it won't be like rah rah America and fucking. There's no issues with anybody. We're gonna go deep into the TBI and PTSD and all these other things. And when you see CBS rally behind the show and to give the reverence that these guys have, when a tech advisor's on set on another show, uh, the shows that are done, they're just tech advisors. On our show, they have the ability on any guest director to 
call cut and tell them that they're doing it wrong. See that? That's so good to hear because let's just say that's the minority as far as yeah. Yeah. I, I get there's Hollywood entertainment, there's yeah. military, but when somebody goes the extra mile to try and make it realistic, it's, it's awesome. I had the, I had an opposite experience. I was a tech advisor on, on a major film and Vin Diesel looks over at me. He's like, Hey Kate, is that right? And I was like, no, that's not right. And the director's like, okay, cut. Great. Now we're going into fucking rewrites. Come here, Kate. I'm like, all right. All right. Yeah. I understand yeah. my role now here on this yeah. project. To hear what you're saying is awesome. You know, we had this one director show up and he like did some things. And Tyler, you know Tyler Gray? That Tyler rings, that rings yeah, a bell. He, he's Delta. Uh-huh. So Dan Briggs and Tyler yeah. were Delta, which is always so funny. Tyler's actually now become a, a regular cast member. And so the ball breaking that goes fucking, he's playing a seal. Nonstop. And he's, it's literally like the tech advice, like, hey, man, your gun's wrong, but your movement is fucking off, buddy. Like, they're like, like he's like, fuck you, pal. Like, it's, it's always like, like between those, you have your army, fucking, you got these guys, they're like, right. and it's the smallest little thing, but they'll literally be like, hey, just want to let you know, like, that's wrong. It's like, that's not how we do it. It's a SEAL team. It's not fucking Delta Force. Okay? <laughs> it's just like a, it's a, it's a constant yeah. ball breaking thing. But what we're saying, the. Uh, Let's talk about the tech advisor and how you guys on this project are yeah. going the extra mile to make it right. And so this one director, Hilly, was like, yeah, we're going to do this, this, and this. And Tyler was like, okay. And he had put the camera over here. And, and this is prior to, this is season one. But Tyler and every director coming in, like, hey, when the tech advisor is saying, you listen to these guys, these are the real deal guys. And we do it. And we, with our show, too, you never see the POV of the bad guy. It's always through our POV. Hmm. So there's only so much movement that you can do, but you have it's through our eyes. And Tyler's like, well, I just think we go. And I'm, I'll never forget this. It was like fucking nails on a chalkboard. The guy goes, he goes, I get you. He saw Tyler do something. He goes, he goes, but listen, man, this is a TV show. I want to make it look cool. Okay? He's like, that's not cool. I don't think he realized like who he was talking to. And then like three other tech advisors, like, what do you mean it's not cool? He's like, well, I just this. We're gonna. He's like, one of the guys is like, we're not making the A team here. He goes, we're gonna shoot it this way. And Tyler was like, we're gonna shoot it this way, and this is how we're gonna move it. And Chulak, I think, happened to be there. He's like, yep. He's like, just listen to those guys. And so they can basically they outrank the director. Good. One of the best things about Tyler, there's a bunch of things that's amazing about Tyler. But Tyler actually had never directed anything in his life. But he's a storyteller. He's studied film just because he had nothing other to do when he was deployed, just to watch movies. So he understands beats and and he was the very first vet that is not in the gga has never directed a goddamn thing in his life not one and he got to direct a fucking episode last year and he fucking crushed it and he's getting to direct another episode this coming season as well so it's like it's dude it's for shit like that for these guys now that have this like tyler's mike simos is a fucking producer a writer tyler's now a, a director producer tech advisor all these other guys have gotten these really badass jobs and all of their boys come like guys will literally come be coming back to like oh such and such and she's coming in they're like oh we're casting this guy it just everyone looks out for each other it's so fucking cool oh that's good well you know it's interesting there's a lot of stuff that's very similar between planning and executing an op in the seal mm-hmm. teams it's got a beginning a middle and an end who are you going to yeah. use how are you going to do it movement here and there mm-hmm. a lot of similarities to trying to shoot a show in yeah. a lot of ways. So that's really good that these guys are getting an opportunity. Did you enjoy the pre-production and, and continued training? I do, man. And I felt like at the end of sorry, the end of this season. Is it clicking? You're like, okay, I'm I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I I did something and I was going into rooms and like I naturally was doing what but it was Wait, like you don't years. see what you're doing right now, but yeah. you're already 
right there just explaining the story. It's a muscle memory now, isn't it? Yeah, and it's a muscle. And I, listen, like I like I said, I'd never really shot a gun before, but going in and then understanding, and then understanding, like even as simple as like last man, like yep. those things, and just the different, like and and keep your your gun up. You just all these different things when we're fucking running a gun, and because it was like go back to like when you'd see the guys do it, like when you see like someone like yourself do it, you're like, fuck, okay. 30 things are happening that you're doing in fucking 10 steps. Yeah. But that's hours and hours and hours of training. So yeah, it's just like, but it was honestly at the end of this season when we were up in big bear, I think we were filming. Oh, it's beautiful. And, up there. and there was a couple of things that I done. And my guy, Chase, who's my stunt double, he's a, he goes, he goes, dude, cause he, he always, call, I'm like, be honest with me and call me out on everything and be blunt. Cause I, I want to fucking, I drive myself nuts. Cause I get mad when I fucking, and I'll literally be like, I'm not going to do that. And then I fucking, they say action and I fucking do it. I'm like, fuck. And I'll literally be like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not action. I'm like, God, I'm fucking whatever it is. Right. Whatever the, and then once you, it's in your mind and you can't. So, and, and, and listen, this is fucking, there's no one's firing at us. This is all fake. So I have no, I always, I always say that all the guys, I'm like, how the fuck? Like, and just stay calm. And the fact that the shit that goes down that you're able to keep your heart rate down and fucking stay focused and communicate and, and do this. And it's, fake i'm doing it fake and i'm fucking panicking like the first i'll never forget the when we did our first breach yeah i forgot to open my mouth and we're in a sound stage yeah holy fuck i was like oh dude my bell was rung so fucking bad yeah you, like, you feel like you just got punched oh yeah, yeah. i always just whoa and but, but i learned my lesson quick i never did that mistake again i was like yeah I, you, you kind of want to you want to keep those eardrums working yeah yeah <laughs> was, that was intense man so aj did you go all in and start chewing copenhagen I didn't, but <laughs> I did go pretty. I mean, I it's so crazy. Like I, I'd never listened to. I love. I always liked country music, and my buddy Max, who plays Clay on the show, has become one of my dearest friends. He's like the real. Like he hunts, he guns. He's you know who his character is. That's who he is. But he's I call him the word is Oki. He's yeah. Oki. But he like driving to work every day because I'm I'm a horrible nighttime driver. I, I tend to fall asleep, so. Match is like educating me on like country music and this and country music being from Ireland is very much like Irish music. There's a story and there's like things. And I was like, oh, fucking, I started to get into all these different country music. So Max 100% helped me with who Sonny was and, and just the idiosyncrasies of being country. But it is definitely funny. I went to, there's a foundation that I work with closely, it's the boot campaign, and they're based out of Dallas. And I went there and I'll never forget this day. The guy that was hosting it, he said, uh, when I met him, he's like, I love the show, man. Love the show. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. He's, he goes, where are you from? I was like, I'm Irish. He goes, you're not from Texas? I'm like, no. He goes, what in the hell? He goes, Martha. Martha. And he goes, Martha. I'm like, hey, Martha. He's like, hey, I'm from Texas. I'm like, oh, fuck. He's like, you're playing Texas on TV? You're not from I'm like, uh, no, yeah, no. I'm an actor, sir. I'm, actor. I'm from Ireland. <laughs> and, like, like, and then, but then later on that night, they're like, okay, in order for you to be a Texan, you need to drink with us tonight. I'm like, okay, I'm Irish. So no problem. I'll happily, happily do that. And it ended up like we're in the back of like one of those UTV things, like throwing like wounded dark spray cans with shotguns, fucking with a bottle of fucking whatever whiskey. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Guns and moonshine. That's always, 
always a good combo. I almost missed my flight. I almost missed my flight. <laughs> I was like, oh, I should, the sun's coming up. I'm like, my flight's at seven. I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm like, like, like you're texting now. I'm like, all right. Well, AJ, they'll be telling that, they'll be telling that story for decades, buddy. So you made yeah. their day. Definitely. What, um, I'm just going to ask you about, so you've learned all these new skills over the past several yeah. seasons. Yeah. How many times have you wanted to use those in situations like, oh man, I could totally go clear that guy's house. I could rip him out of his car. You know what's so funny is because. Because there's kind of a responsibility that comes with that skill set. The mental stuff, like how you go like, oh, I could like, that was my internal dialogue. Going, oh, I could do this. Or like if somebody comes up to here, and it's not that I'm a fucking, I'm a pussy at the end of the day. Like that ability to switch and just stay calm and like clock everything. That's editing, right? But to, as you were saying that, the internal monologue, and it happens all the time. I'll be sitting at a, a light and I'll start going like, okay, this is going on here. If someone's like, and I start talking to myself, I'm like this goes here, then there. But under pressure, could I perform? Could I step up? I don't, I don't know. I've never had that. You yet. know what's so cool about what you're just talking about? And I'm sure you've heard this on set a ton of times, situational yeah. awareness. You were in a situation. Now you're assessing things you're in your car. When you sit, yeah, when you sit down in a restaurant, do you have your back to the back wall to the and wall. looking yeah. at? See, looking this things. is stuff yeah. now that where the door, where's the hinges are on the door. You know, and every time I go in, it's like yep. I started going like because that was the biggest thing. Like where the hinges are in the door. Okay, well that's just how it's going to open. So that's how do you come into that room? It's like, but now I'll be like sitting there, like especially if I smoke a little bit of weed, I'll be like, okay, so I'm like I wander around like all right, so. You know, like, no, but, uh, I mean, off of my thing, and and even with my what's been great though, with my daughter who's six, now I'm always saying to her like, situation. I'm like, remember like what I've taken on a bike ride. I'm like, okay, look around where you're at. Okay, like take picture things if you ever get lost or something ever happens. These are the things you need to like. You need to find. It's like Liam Neeson. He's like, and taken when he's talking to his daughter. He's like, tell me where, tell me where you are. And he's like, what are you looking at? You know, like, I got like Liam Neeson to to my daughter. About an hour and a half ago, when I was taking for ice cream, I was like, "Okay, you, know, you remember this street here? And there's a like a, a one of those like you know the at the car sales yeah. things, the, the inflatable things that go like woo woo. I'm like, you see that? Okay, that's that's where the if you see that, then the ocean's there, things there. But it was like all those different things that I feel like is now kind of things that I'll start to do. No, it's it's real world skills, and it's so awesome. I learned it in the military. You learned it on the set of a show, and yeah. you're teaching your kids. I wish more people were doing this. I mean, we're living yeah. in a very dangerous place right now. And these, really are. these are the kind of skills that are going to keep you alive. So keep, keep passing it down. I, would, I had a conversation with my daughter when we were out and I was just like, cause they were talking about, they just announced like school's not going back or something like some crazy bullshit shit. I'm just like, I was like, listen, well, you'll remember this moment in your life. It's going to pass and you'll have your friends again. You'll have the school. But I'm like, this is such a fucking crazy time. And I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you I'm terrified. I don't know what's happening. Like I'm, I don't know what's going on. It's so nuts. But I, I would say, I was like, this, you just need to know where you are at all times and how to get home. And if shit goes down, these are the things that the steps that we need to do. If stuff starts to go down, mm-hmm. where are we going in the house? Cause when the riots and stuff were happening, I live across from the police station and I was like, well, what are we going to do? You know, do we leave? Do we, mm-hmm. and, it was pretty scary. And I was like, okay. And I told my kids, I'm like, if, if for some reason anything happens, this is the things that we're going to do. 2020 literally can go fuck itself. Like oh it's, it's, man. It can twice. Yeah. Yeah. Tw- I, yeah I'd say three times. Go Seriously, fuck man. Eat a bag of dicks 2020. Uh-huh. 
you know, it's like <laughs> you have been you have been hanging out with team guys. <laughs> have you been called a fuck stick yet? That's a oh, yeah. that's hey, a classic. Yeah, you know what, uh, Cash? You know, um, sure, right here. Yeah, just yeah. We went through uh, buds together. Dude, he's fucking hysterical, dude. Yeah, he's a trip, dude, isn't he? He's so fucking fun. I did a push up challenge with him, but I. So, oh, this is actually a funny story. So, prior to getting SEAL Team, the show I loved was The Selection. Yeah, fucking loved that show. And then Tyler was on that show, and Bert from Bison Union, right? Bert, who's friends with like Matt Bass, or is it Matt from yeah. uh, Black Rifle? Yeah. So the, all those guys did it up. So on the show, they seemed like just terrifying. And <laughs> like, that one kid that fucking missed his burpees, like by one, <laughs> and he literally, the way, because he's so intense, he was like, one thing I said was, do not lie. And I was asking him, like, I'm like, dude, was, how hard was it not to fucking break? He's like, it was pretty hard. Like, the kid was literally shaking, and he had to, like, this kid had to go, like, run back up the hill. I don't know. It was, it, it was when I met these guys, I was like, holy fuck, Tyler, you're from the selection. I'm like, fine, fine. It's fucking, these guys are from the selection. Like, the way that they, they were so terrifying. And then when you meet them in real life, I'm like, you guys are just fucking with these people. They yeah. just laugh balls off the entire time, just breaking these guys down and fucking laughing their balls off i'm like who's the best it was like yeah and bert too like bert is the funniest and the gentlest guy in the world and his stare when they bring him into the interrogation room he was like I'm like oh fuck and he's not that guy at all i'm like you motherfuckers that's some good acting right there that was good fucking acting <laughs> it's kind of really to a large extent it is when you're in an instructor role i did that my last year and yeah you click it on and then you click it off the guys who can't click it off that's kind of a problem but uh, they're few and far in between yeah. Did you work with Mikey from Forged? The, he just his like clothing company Forged. He just, oh like, no, he, no. I I know who he is. We worked together yep. briefly overseas with the agency before yeah. he he started that. Another great dude. Yep, yep. Good yep. people all around. Man, I, I, I literally have not met other than you. You're the only asshole I've met. Uh, <laughs> oh, and the, and the day is still young. <laughs> uh, no, but honestly, it's Talk just stick. like. Yeah, hey, fuck stick. Yeah, I get that all the time. Yeah. Oh, shit bag, fuck stick. Uh, they call me soup sandwich on set. That's oh, that's my, a good one. Yeah. They, they call me soup because I fucking forget things. They're like, they're like, I'm kind of a bit aloof, if you can't tell already. I kind of bounce up ADD and a bunch of other things. Pretty sure you picked up on that already. And I tend to live my own little world. And they will just look at me like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I'm like, what? I'm in my world, there's a lot of rainbows and I'm a pretty happy fucking guy. And fucking chocolate and leprechauns and they all exist there <laughs> it's like they're like what the fuck are you smiling about <laughs> like, like, like i don't know i'm in a good mood today it's as like, long as you get your three feet right it's yeah, all good aj have you ever found yourself in a life-threatening situation where you're like man i i i, I you know i wasn't at 7-eleven when i got robbed and i'm not gonna lie i actually did shit my pants like i actually did really like fucking shit came out of my butthole into my pants I know if that saved my life, but I didn't realize I shit my pants. It just happened. Yeah. But I was at a Seven Eleven, and I was going in to buy He-Man cards. Remember, you could get He-Man like the stickers. Yeah. And fucking some for, for you or your kids? No, for me. This is like. <laughs> oh wait, how old were you? I was thirteen years old. Okay. I was thirty-nine. I was buying He-Man cards. <laughs> no, that makes sense. I thought it was uh, like maybe a couple months ago. Yeah, last week. <laughs> uh, no, and I remember a guy came in and, and I. It felt like, you know, you have those dreams where you want to run, but you, can't. You, wanna, you can't, you're on a sand hill and you're like telling your hand or you're frozen and you can't breathe. It's like you're frozen. 
that's what happened. I remember this guy like had a gun and was yelling at this guy. And I just like, I was like, just go. And I saw this back door and I was like, run. And I just kept shitting. I, I basically just kept defecating on myself. Every time I was like, run, I was like, Okay. That was, well, that was dude, dude, you were 13. Don't beat up on yourself yeah. too bad. I mean, fight, yeah. flight, and freeze is a yeah. trip. Yeah. We could talk about it for yeah. hours. Yeah. When he punched the, I never forget when he punched the cashier guy and the sound that it made on the guy's face. I was, and the guys, I was like, oh my God. I was like, dude. So, but I froze. I totally froze. There was no hero moment there. Yeah. Well, again, I mean, you're 13 years old and you're seeing something like yeah. that go down without any training. I, again, I wouldn't beat up on yourself about it. I talk about something I call trigger. Mm-hmm. And so let's say you put yourself back in that situation, but today mm-hmm. and a trigger, the way I explain it is, okay, I'm in a life threatening situation, like yeah. a seven limits being held up. Yeah. And basically you have to decide in a split second, I'm going to do something here and I'm either going to live or die. And when I refer to the trigger, it's that thing that is the most important thing in your life. Yeah. And you think about that and then you pull the trigger. And that's when you react. And based on the next 10, 20, maybe 30 seconds, you get through that or you don't. And if you have a really strong trigger, yeah, you get through it. What do you think if you want to share, do you think uh, that trigger would be? I think I probably know the answer, but. It's anything to do with my wife or my kids. It's uh, it's like a different, a different thing. I actually learned this from my dad. I'll share this story with my dad. I actually never, actually never told this story to anybody, well, other than my close friends, but uh, publicly. I'll never forget this. My dad passed away 10 years ago, but this is one thing that he definitely instilled. This would be his trigger, right? Is that my mom was his everything. My dad didn't drink. He played soccer. He laid bricks. He'd fucking forearms like Popeye in a barrel chested. Like he was just, just short and stocky and, and awesome, happy all the time. But you say anything to my mother and you will get your fucking ass laid out. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget this. I, in, school i learned what fuck you like flipping something up like fuck you i didn't know what it meant but i just remember people just doing it in school like fuck you man fuck you fuck you like it was just like fuck you it was just that, that's who we used like oh that's what's that mean? Oh, fuck you like we, that was it i remember flipping people off coming home from school I'm like fuck you man people like fuck you too it's <laughs> like just that's what we we're doing so like, i come into the house and my mom goes, you didn't clean your room before you left for school and i don't know why oh. i did it i literally went like this fuck you and my dad worked five jobs round the clock. I didn't think that he was there. I'm pretty sure he wasn't, but he fucking teleported from wherever the hell he was, appeared, and he fucking was the only time my dad ever laid hands on him. He grabbed me, he threw me against the wall, and he grabbed me by the throat. And he said, Apologize to my wife. Not my mom. He's like, To my wife. And I was like, Excuse me? He's like, Apologize to my wife. He's like, No man will ever speak to my wife like that. And he squeezed my neck so hard. And I was like, oh, he's not fucking around. Like this, he's, <laughs> I'm done. Like yeah. he was so, that was his girl. And no, didn't matter if I was son, I was done. Like, and if I'm like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm like, wife, I'm like, it's my mom. Like, and, he, and then give me one crack across that. And that was it. Because the only time, but it was like, that was his trigger. He's like, if anybody ever said anything to my mom or to the family, he was, he was in it. And I think I learned that from him. Like I will zero to 60 for me on, on any of that when it comes to my kids. And, well, it's, yeah. and, it's, and sometimes I have to like, honestly, one time when Willow was born, my daughter and some girl was mean near the park. I was like biting my lip. I'm like, listen, man, when she wasn't looking, I'm like, I'm like, you're mean to like this other, like, you're, you're mean. You need to get out of here. And my, my wife's like, AJ, 
like, oh, you, you don't talk to me. She's like, you, what's wrong with you? I'm like, she's like, she's six years old. I'm like, oh yeah, get her, get her. I'm like, dude, I'm like, I was just like, she's like, relax. I'm like, okay, so that's my trigger. <laughs> well, I tell you what, hang on to that thing. I know yeah. for a lot of actors, they'll have sort of that, this is what I do to do my job the best I can. They don't like to explain what that is. So mm. hold on to that trigger because I hope you don't. But if you find yourself in another what's situation. Your, what's your trigger? I got to keep that to myself. But oh, fair enough. When did you recognize so that you like, like, what, so like what I, your- I started putting together a trigger when I, st- when I joined the SEAL teams because I knew I was going to be doing a job where I was going to be asked to do stuff that was going to require running through a, a brick wall at 100 miles per hour because that's what I had to do. But when yeah. I was in, I was a platoon commander. So I was in a leadership position. My trigger was my guys, whatever it takes, get them all home. That was it. And it was very simple for me, whatever it takes to get my guys home. And God bless. I never lost one of my guys. Fucking nice, buddy. So that's, that was my trigger then it changes, but that's a solid one and covet that thing, man. I hope you don't need to use it, but, uh, family first brother. Yeah. You know, Irish and yeah, that's like how it's in my blood. It's like family and, and, your friends are your family. You know, it's like you can choose your friends. You can't choose your family, True. but your friends become your family. Yeah. So your family unit is kind of this traveling circus, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's true though. And like, it's a work in progress. Cause it's like, how do you, cause I can, I lose the ability to communicate and say step one, step two, step three. I'm like, I just, it just, my voice makes that weird sound. And like, I'm like yeah. So it just, yeah. So I, I, it's, it's a work in progress. But well, yeah. I, I hear you. I was born patient deficient. So that's a daily challenge for me, especially with all the bullshit that's going on right now. But yeah, one step at a time, right? What do you do? What's your like? Oh, man. I tell you what. Uh, if I don't get to the gym, try and get to the gym every day, forget about it. I'm a lunatic upstairs. I'll catch myself. I do something I call combat breathing. I don't know if the boys told you about this on set, but yeah. uh you know, you breathe in for four seconds, you breathe out for four seconds and repeat. I've had to do that almost every other day lately driving. Yeah. Because I guess people think now that we have COVID, there's no more rules of the road. So it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I hear you between exercise and, and, and yeah. I guess if I was smart, I'd start doing yoga, but I have a little ADD too. So I'll be 10 minutes into yeah. yoga thinking about all the crap I should be doing instead. Yoga is, I would say the hardest just to get through the first thing of downward dog. I'm like, my mind's gone somewhere else. Oh, yeah, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you're like, what? They're like, and then moved to here. I'm like, and I'm always looking around the room. I'm like, how are you guys? I was like, literally, I put downward dog in the camera, toy focused, and I go back like this. And I'm like, okay, so, and this one time. And then, like, I'm looking around there. I'm like, oh, fuck, where are we? I'm like, like, I just, it's, it's, it's a, it's hard. That's a hard. Getting in that zone is not easy, especially just clearing the mind. So I, I feel you. I do. I, I yeah. struggle with it as well. All right, AJ, we're going to play a little game here. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but we do a thing on the show called Hypothetical Survival World. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop you into a survival, life-threatening situation. Hypothetical. Okay. And you're going to go through and you're going to get the chance to make a choice between A and B on 10 events. And every time you choose the right choice, you're going to get plus 10 points. If you make the wrong choice, it's minus 10 points. Are you ready for your hypothetical scenario, AJ? Should I get a beer first or? Absolutely. I- Let's do it. <laughs> I'm going to get a beer. Okay, yeah, this grab is- a beer, buddy. All right. All right, buddy. Oh, my Guinness. Dude, I like your style. If you're going to do a hypothetical survival situation, you might as well be free, fresh. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, hey, folks, this uh, podcast might be brought to you by Guinness. Let's see if we can make that yeah. happen. All right, AJ Buckley. Yes, sir. You let's go. Are in a meeting discussing a future film project with top executives. You are on the 18th floor of a 30-story building when suddenly the fire alarm goes off. Now, this role that you're up for, tough guy. The execs are like, ah, don't worry. We've been having false alarms off and on all the time. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to look like a bitch, but you swear to God, you smell smoke. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to start the game? Let's go. Okay. Fire alarm's going off. You're on the 18th floor. They're saying, don't worry about it, but you swear to God, you smell smoke. Do you get moving or do you stay put in the meeting? I would assess like smelt smoke or, or felting, I, I would probably start to understand and, and slowly start moving to where. Well, all you got to worry about right now is get moving or stay in the meeting. I would get moving. Excellent. You should, because what the hell do a bunch of execs know about a fire in a 30 story building? So you're moving. That's plus 10 right off the bat. Okay. Okay. So here we go. Elevator 20 feet away on the right. Stairs behind you about 100 feet. Heading to the elevator, heading to the stairs. What stairs. You, absolutely. And why is that? Because, yeah, the elevators, you get stuck in. And Yeah, basically an elevator is a gigantic wind tunnel, which is perfect for the spread fire. of fire. Now, a oh, lot of the yeah. new buildings, if the alarm goes off, it will deactivate the elevators automatically. But the last thing you want to do is hop in a damn microwave, get Did stuck in it. We just like a fucking tornado flame. Yeah, it, it literally is just a wind tunnel that goes straight through the middle of these tall buildings. What a and so, wind. yeah, ima- imagine hopping in a microwave and turning it on 20 minutes. Last place yep. you want to be, buddy. Plus yep. 20, my friend. Excellent. Okay, so you're heading to the stairs. Mm-hmm. And you go in, you open the stairwell door. But before you get to the stairs, let's back up. Before you get to the stairs, do you continue moving towards that stairwell? You see it in front of you, or do you stop and try and contact somebody on your cell phone? Head towards the stairwell or try to contact somebody on your phone? Instinctually, I'd probably be trying to call somebody. Excellent. And that you said the right word. Stick with your instincts on this, all right? The reason okay. why is you, okay, time is of the essence, obviously. Yeah. But yeah. you want to let somebody know, hey, I'm on the 18th floor right now, and this is happening. So they yeah. know to look for you instead of, well, let's wait six or eight hours and see if he shows up. Maybe he's out grabbing a beer. Got it. Speaking yeah. of beer, knock yourself out. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy, plus 30, my friend. You're doing great. Okay. You're in the stairwell. There is some smoke in the stairs. Do you head down? Or do you head up? You're on the 18th floor of a 30-floor building, 30-story yeah. building. Smoke yeah. in the stairwell. Heading down or heading up? Can I tell where the smoke's coming from or just, just heading down? It's, it's coming sick. from below you. Oh, below me. I yep. head down. You're heading down? Yeah. Okay. Here's why I would not recommend that. Fire and smoke rise. You know you have fire below you because the smoke is coming up. Oh. You do not want to walk down into the kill zone of a fire. You want to try and increase your distance. You've got some time and you've got some space by moving up. So my recommendation would be to move up and away from the threat. So you go up and then find another. Well, we're going to get there. But right now, the recommendation 
would be to move up away okay. from the threat, away from the fire. Get off the X. I'm sure you're familiar with that by now, right? Yeah. yeah Excellent. Yeah, yeah, All right. I'm sorry, buddy, but that's a minus 10. That's All okay, right. though. You're doing great. Okay. You travel three floors up and get out of the stairwell onto that floor. Only 21. Okay. So you're on floor 21. Mm-hmm. To the left is a bathroom. Okay. Or you can head towards the opposite stairwell. So you've got a bathroom to the left or head towards the other stairwell because all these buildings are required to have, at a minimum, two stairwells. I would go to the other stairwell. Okay. You're going to want to head that direction, but let me explain why I would recommend going to the bathroom. You realize that you're in a building that is on fire. You're going to want to wet your clothes. You're going to want to remove anything that might be made of synthetic cloth, which will end up melting. And you're going to want to get something to cover your mouth. So wet that. So since that bathroom is right there, I would highly recommend, hey, let's hit this. Let's go ahead, wet down, remove jewelry, anything that can burn you, and let's Mm -hmm. get something over the face. All right. So would you, so in that situation, would you then say you didn't have have anything for like a a mask, so to speak, and this is obviously Mm pre-COVID, everybody's mask. Yeah, say like like You have a t-shirt, so you take your t-shirt off and use that. Yes, anything that is not flammable or synthetic material, yeah. Okay. You can use that, wet it, and cover your face with it. And then again, if you have some kind of poly shirt on or something like that, it's going to melt. Yeah. Man, you got to get rid of that and try and try and get something else. You don't want bare skin, but having like a polyester shirt on, I don't think anybody wears those anymore. That's yeah. going to be bad deal. It's just going to turn into plastic. Okay. All right. So hang in there. You're you're at plus yeah. ten still. Okay. So you've gone. You've wetted everything down. You have face covering. Good to go. You leave the bathroom and you can run to the opposite stairs. Or you can crawl to the opposite stairwell. You're going to run or you're going to crawl. You're starting to see some smoke on the floor you're on. I crawl. Excellent. Okay. And the reason you crawl is most fire-related deaths, AJ, are from smoke and toxic fume inhalation. All right? Okay. That's how most people don't die from burning. They die from inhaling that stuff and they pass out. And they so, don't realize they're doing it. Yeah. So even though you do have something to cover your mouth, if you're running, obviously your lungs are going to be working twice as hard. You're going to be ingesting yeah, yeah, twice yeah. as much. If you're crawling, you're below the smoke, but you're still heading toward that stairwell. All right. So excellent. You are back in the plus column. All right. You're heading towards that stairwell. Unfortunately... In the hallway, your path is blocked. There are flames in front of you, okay? So you decide to enter an office room, an office space. So you enter this office space to get away from that, that flames that was in that hallway. Are you going to try and signal out a window to let somebody know and stay put in that office space? Or are you going to try and break through the wall, drywall, to try and get through to the next office space, creating more distance? Stop and signal, stay put. I would keep moving, get through the wall. Absolutely, you want to keep moving, all right? Is that just like banging, grab whatever you can? Just Yeah, so here's the cool thing about interior construction. They've got uh, maybe aluminum vertical braces that are maybe 18 to 24 inches. I'm not sure what the code is, but it's just going to be thin drywall. You could take an office chair and bust right through that. So instead of going down that hallway that was obstructed, you go in an office, and now you're creating a new hallway by going Uh, through those, all right? So... You said it. I want to keep moving. You've got to keep moving. Okay, you can do one of two things. You can sit, wait, and die, or you can fight for your life. I know which one you're going to do. I know which one I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah. All right, awesome. Here we go. A few more, buddy. You're plus 30 again. Okay, 
you get to the other set of stairs. Yeah. There's also smoke in those. Are you going to try and head down or continue to head up? You are on the 21st floor of a 30-story building. And smoke is coming up. Smoke is coming up, kind of like the first time. So both stairwells are compromised. I feel like I would go down. Is that bad? Why did you uh, not want to go down on the other stairwell? Source of the danger? Uh, yeah, I just... The X... I don't know. I just feel like because I know if I go up there and it's burning and I'm then I'm trapped and then the fire. Gonna... Okay, let me help you out. You definitely know the fire is below you. Okay. Okay. Yes. And I don't know if it's sticking over the whole floor. It's coming up. So I I go to the roof then. I Absolutely. To the... Keep heading up. You're okay. getting okay. distance away, time and distance away from the danger zone. And right now, the danger... in that sense, then that allows the time for. The first responders then to well, I mean, in this situation, AJ, you are buying time by creating distance. Distance, yeah. Yeah. So you're buying time right now by creating distance. It's going to be like, all right. So yes, you said it. I'm going to head to the roof on a big building like this. What do you think is going to be on the roof? Probably a helicopter pad, or at least the ability for somebody to come in on that. So you are, yep, exactly, and fresh air, exactly. Okay. So you have made it to the roof. Congratulations. You got some fresh air. You're looking over the side of the building. You see on one side of the building, you're seeing flames coming out. And you're like, okay, this thing's coming up. What you're not seeing is there are no helicopters in the area. And you're thinking, all right, I don't know how much time I have here, but are you going to stay there, wait for a rescue, preferably from a helicopter, or... You see on the opposite side of the building that has the flames, there is a window washing crane there. It's a platform and it's used to wash windows. It goes up and down. I think you know what I'm trying to describe right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, All right. So you can wait for a rescue or you can proceed over and take your chances by lowering yourself on the window washing platform. Holy fuck. That's a tough one. It is. But look at your situation. You're already eating a shit sandwich. So what do you think you want to do here? Let me help you out. You, uh, you, waited, you waited 20 minutes. Nothing. No helicopters. Nothing. Okay. I would probably get on the fucking thing and head down. Yes. Not ideal, but right back to the, I can sit, wait, and die or fight for my life. Yeah. I, would, I saw no helicopters. If I just got up there, I'd probably wait a couple minutes and see. You know, if I'd see anything. And I saw, felt like it was getting hotter and the smoke was getting worse. I would say fuck it and I would jump on the fucking yeah I mean your stories tragically about people who basically said in the twin showers I'm I'm gonna burn alive or I'm gonna jump yeah and uh, if I'm in that situation I might as well have one more free fall or uh, as we call it a hey no high altitude no parachute All right, buddy here's your last one you're at plus 50 points right now you're doing great this one's tough you are cruising down the side of the building you're doing great You look up above you from where you came, and now you see flames that are coming out above you. And they're going past the cables of your trolley. So you got to do one of two things for your final decision. Are you going to hope that the cables will resist the heat long enough for you to get down to the base of the building? Yeah. Or are you going to stop, bust out a window that is below the fire, and try and go back into the building again below the fire and get out that way i'd go back into the building absolutely absolutely you have no idea how long this cable is going to last after everything you've been through it would really suck to die from falling like 
100 feet yeah. off this thing. Yeah. So you yeah. you know you're below the fire. You get back in. You proceed down. Yeah. And congratulations, AJ Buckley. You survived this podcast, my friend, with plus 60 points, which is very solid. Hey, so in any of those situations with a fire, if you're built, it's about creating distance, right? Distance and... Well, and, and, and especially in a situation like that where you're hoping first responders will help, it's creating mm-hmm. time. So it's time. increasing your distance from the mm-hmm. source of the danger. Yep. And you can apply this to a lot of things, not just fire, but you're also buying yourself time. Yeah. So that others then, might be able to help then, you out. And then with the smoke, then being aware, staying low, and mm-hmm. so you're not. Yeah. Because just remember, more people, most people in a fire situation die from inhalation, not from burning. They just become delirious and they don't know what's oh, yeah, happening. You, you just pass out. Yeah, you, you just really? pass out and that's it. And so you might be dead for several minutes before you even get burnt. Oh, God. So, yeah, stay low. But you did awesome. You did great. Okay, AJ, I know that you, in addition to your uh, amazing acting, you are also an entrepreneur. Tell us a little bit about what you got going on with Paperclip. I started a diaper bag company about, God, five, six years ago. You think my daughter's six, so six years ago. I had taken my daughter out to her very I was like going to introduce her to my friends and we're going to watch football. It was like the pink taco on Hollywood Boulevard sure. or on Sunset Boulevard. And I'd shown up and as I had taken her out of the car, she had like, I called it the magical poop for some reason. It was like she poop, but it like gone up her back. It was like in her like hair. I'm like, how do you, how do you shit? How do you shit? And it fucking touches your, like she had a little mullet. And you asked me like, why I don't look, look 50. That's yeah. a prime example right there. And I was just, I was like, what? And I'm like, it's my very first time. I'm like, oh my God. So my friends are like, like hey, and I'm like, hey, my daughter. So I like go into the bathroom and there was no, when I walked into the bathroom, there was no changing tables in the men's bathroom. And I was like, well, this is weird. And then I go out to the manager. I'm like, is there a changing table? He's like, yeah, it's just in the girls' bathroom. And I'm like, okay, well, I got it. He's like, oh, sorry, buddy. And then I, as a dad, being a little absent minded at the baby show, we got like a, a mat that you're supposed to put inside the diaper bag. But of course I didn't fucking put the mat in. I forgot the mat. So basically I had to take my shirt off and I laid it down in front of the bag. And then the bag was there and I cha- was changing my daughter on this like disgusting floor of the pink taco yeah. on Sunset Boulevard. And I had this like, it's like, I'm like, this is my first time I ever taking my daughter out. I'm literally shirtless fucking. And I'm like, so already bummed that I fucked up. And then as I'm shooting, I'm like, I had this idea. I'm like, what happens if you had a diaper bag that had this fold out thing? You never had to worry about a change. It was built in because no change tables in men's bathrooms. And I had this epiphany like right there. And I got home and my buddy Artie Baxter, he's good friends with Keegan. He had randomly called me. He was expecting I'm like, dude, I'm like, it's a diaper bag and there's a change station. And I'm like, buddy, he's like, what? He's like, have you been drinking? I'm like, hundred percent. I have. 100%. And I'm drawing pictures of it. And he, he came over and he looked at it. He's like, I don't know. Like, I can barely draw a stick, man. He was, it was like scribbles. He was like, you know, he's like, I have no idea. But I explained to him. And, he, and I'm like, dude, you're going to understand it when you have a kid and they've got to go to the bathroom. And then I started looking at diaper bags that the way that they were designed, like, you know how like your wife or your girlfriend, they can like have a huge purse and they can reach in and they just know where their lipstick is. They know, they right. just can, they know where it is. Okay. I don't know how the fuck you do that. Especially when you're like a fucking kid that's screaming and then you like reach in, you're like looking for anything. So then we decided to like the way we we're going to design this bag was almost like a toolbox. So like when you unzip it, everything folds out. So you see everything in front of you. So it like opens up this way. So you call it your toolbox. It's the table folds out this way. You see everything in front of you. And it sort of evolved and we went through like 12 different prototypes. I flew to China and like 
I was in between shows right now, and basically, I took had taken my savings, all of my savings, with Artie, and we doubled down. And my wife thought I was crazy. I'm like, we're gonna make diaper bags, and she's like, you've lost your mind. Like this is crazy. Like you are, and Artie's the same thing. And we went to the ABC Kids Show in Las Vegas, which is the biggest like baby product thing. And they came by and like gave us like a, a like day two, gave us like a blue ribbon. I'm like, what's this? Like, uh, you won the mommy blog. Yeah. You won the innovation of 2017. I was like, what? We didn't even know how to write orders. We didn't know how to fucking do anything. And people were coming up. We're like, like what the? Fuck? We had no clue. And all of a sudden, it became what it is now. And, and it's called paperclip, right? Yeah, it's called paperclip. The thing about it too is like, although it was designed by dads, 85% of our customers are women and they basically we wanted to have a diaper bag that the dad felt comfortable carrying hmm. because there's nothing worse when you see like a dad that's just got like a fucking flower print fucking diaper bag and he's just is ha- hating life and and the way that it looks at like every one of the our diaper bags is named after one of our kids like we have the bear the willow the ranger the bodie with the wolf which is like a fanny pack the wolf pack in the last year probably our biggest year of the company this past year, even with COVID and everything, we cannot keep these on the shelf from mm. we're in we're in Nordstrom's target. We're everywhere right now. And it's a blessing, man. It's I never in a million years thought I'd be playing a Navy SEAL on TV and selling diaper bags on the side. Do you realize <laughs> what you did there though? What we were talking about earlier, you solved the problem and you never quit. Yeah. And now yeah. you've got an amazing successful company. Hey man, we do something on the show here to wrap things up. We call it after action report, AAR. What did you learn today? If anything? You're a fucking good dude, number one. I appreciate that. And I'm really grateful to be on this. But no, I just it's especially with this fucking crazy world we live in. And I find myself too taking those deep breaths. I mean like everybody just needs to take a deep fucking breath. Amen. Everybody's needs to chill the fuck out. Just take a deep breath. We're gonna get through this. We'll assess, adapt, overcome. We will get through this. Just take a deep breath. And the sun will rise tomorrow and we will fucking we will get through this. Dude. That's that's as good as it gets right there. AJ Buckley, I cannot thank you enough for your time. Yeah, man. Fucking and uh, look, prayers to your family. Yeah, we hope everything works out, but thank you so much for your time. Hey, folks, the best way to support our show is to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. You can also check out our YouTube channel for video content of all of our episodes. So ring that bell to subscribe. And if you have any survival questions you want answered, just leave it in the comments so you can be a survivor not a statistic. Thank you again, AJ Buckley. Folks, this is Cade out. Can You Survive This Podcast is a Cavalry Audio production recorded live from the bunker in Denver, Colorado. Hosted by me, Cade Courtley. Produced by Brandon Morgan and Cade Courtley. Associate producer is Jeff Apple. Executive produced by Keegan Rosenberger and Dana Brunetti. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, a company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. 
You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.